Hello, everyone, and welcome to another awesome episode of the Rags to Riches podcast. And um, thank you to everyone around the world listening. Um, today, we've got, as I said last week, a very special guest, as every week will be the same. Um, but I think this week we've got someone who uh, maybe shows a different side to the the classical rags to riches story and coming from a definitely different angle to what you heard last week. Um, but yeah, I don't want to give more, uh, too much away from that, but are you there? Pania? <laughs> yes, I am just heavily breathing in the background. <laughs> yeah. Were you trying to stay quiet then? Yeah. And then I realized I sound like Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you as P. Yes. But what is your full name? Uh, Parnia Parsons, but in this day and age, it seems to be at Life of Parn, which is seems to be more your, more your name, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you can't go by the um, Instagram bio or whatever it is on social media. Mm. Okay, so Life of Parn. Um, so for people like uh, listening in who um, aren't aware of you and yourself and what you do and where you're from and all that, do you want to? give people it can be real short it can be long a bit of an introduction to yourself yes um so hi i'm pania um i'm 28 i'm currently living in bath but i've just kind of finished a i'd say like a 10 year stint about a year ago of just being a bit of a nomad a bit of a jack of all trades um i was in the pt world running a gym in brisbane australia had the Mm. whole dream the whole life i was living the life um, but because I'd already achieved that all at quite a youngish age, I just thought, you know, there's got to be more to life. So I enrolled in film school, which was a different like avenue I wanted to explore. Um, so now I make short films slash uh, I just do content creation, video editing for various different names and people. And I'm doing that back here in England at the moment, whilst I'm still focusing on the physical like element of my life. Uh, loads of fitness stuff but just not as a career more just for the passion and the love that's me <laughs> nice nice uh, little sum up there um so i mean my first question is before we just get into what i wanted to ask firstly just based off that what is it um that made you uh, change from you know going from the whole fitness scene to just having that sudden change um it would be like it was I was pushed kind of to come out of that situation because of various different things not going right in my life. And I know what you're mm. going to ask next, <laughs> what we're here doing the podcast about. But um, yeah, my, my struggles kind of started like ages ago. Um, I'd like to say they're over, but <laughs> I see keep getting slammed with new problems. But it was mm. basically I was living in Australia. I had immigration on my case because forever like anyone who's immigrated to a different country knows the situation with immigration like it's not an easy ride um found my dream job worked my way up in it um was the manager of an all-female gym in brisbane it was amazing i absolutely loved my job i loved the fact that i was learning every day and i was being able to teach people the stuff i'd learned it wasn't there was no massive uh instagram scene then so it wasn't false education do you know what i mean like not very mm. educated um, answers being given out. So it was a really healthy time to be in the sport industry, I think. Um, yeah. But because I was 
which meant, and you'll understand this as a PT, I was on a salary, not a pay per client. So because of that, I was kind of taken advantage of by my bosses at the time. And it just got to the point where I was so drained all the time. I didn't even know muscle anxiety existed (laughs) until I had it. Um, I started getting some health problems as well. All these things. But the worst part is human beings should process those emotions. Whereas I was feeling all those things and then boom, 5am, had a client and you just have to be like the heart and soul of the party and super positive. And you almost create this like Jekyll and Hyde thing in your head. Um, It had so many benefits. That's why I stuck in it for so long. But that took its toll. And then in addition to that, I just, I, I was in not a very good relationship as well. Um, we all have to have like one or two of those. <laughs> and um, I just, I just remember sitting there one day, like my knee, my knees started aching like regularly. I was, I wasn't sleeping well because my muscles were always spasming. And I just remember being like, I left England. I left all my family and friends to move to the other side of the world. And I was like, for what? Because I wasn't seeing sunshine. I like my bank account. Yeah, looked good. But what for? I, I had nothing. Like, I wasn't happy. Um, yeah. And the, hard, yes, the hardest part um, to leave... Sorry. So, can, can. I said the hardest part leaving was genuinely... And the reason why I stuck around so long was because of my clients. Like, and mm. they don't even know it themselves. Like, I genuinely loved what I did so much. And people say, just don't care as much. But I, I really believe if you are a quality PT, like, you are meant to care. <laughs> like, yeah. So, um... So yeah, I just, um, luckily, thank gosh I had the money I had because um, it's pretty good pay in Australia and I had no life so I wasn't spending any of it. So yeah, I just literally one day just quit after another huge row with the bosses, uh, mm. called my ex as well, my now ex, and I was just like, I'm done. I, was, I remember I was laughing. I was laughing because I was like, I'm so done with getting shafted by people mm. left, right and centre. And um, I booked a ticket the next day to Hawaii. And um, yeah, I just went to Hawaii for like five day bender and then just was like, oh, I'll travel Australia before I get back to England in a couple of months. Boom, ended up staying in Australia another two years because I luckily had the money. I had nothing, no, I had nothing holding me down. So I just was like, what do I, like, I have a fresh slate. What do I want to do? And I was like, never seen Perth. I've got some good friends there and I'd like to study like film. I want to start making films. So that mm. was it, boom. And then that's, Do you know, that's it's, um, it's interesting you say that actually, because um, I don't know, like a pattern I'm seeing and, and when I'm speaking to the people on these podcasts, it's like, well, one thing I wanted to get out of this podcast actually is that um, people can have, people often have the money, you know, rags mm. to riches, people often chase that. And it's like so often in these cases, you were there and you got to a point and you keep saying that the money was good, and you had a good bank account and all that. But at the end of the day, that's just not really enough, is it? And we, mm. I guess we, we really look for money to, to keep us comfortable, but we, we need happiness at the end of the day. And it's, it's good and inspiring to hear that people make those tough decisions. I mean, I think it sounds like it wasn't that tough. You just thought, right, that's it. But it was running up to it was tough. Like, yeah, that's the thing. At, yeah. Like I, looking back now, obviously, cause it is just a story. Yeah. It was so like, blah, da, da, sick. Yeah. I'll go to Hawaii. But running up to it was just, I, I think one of the times that like, really solidified, like, 
me where I just sat there going, what am I doing? I decided to stop being in denial about it. Like, because you just get told by your parents or people above you, you know, in our day, we, we didn't have a choice. We had this, so you, you've got that so drilled into your head that mm. if you have a bad day at work, you're like, no, 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 like, you know that that's that's what comes with working hard and it's like no like there's you forget that there's actually a line of having some respect for yourself and other people having respect for you as well like in that craft and just people just think because you're so willing to put in the extra hours that you're almost spineless but you're there like no (laughs) and but the truth is I became spineless with it because I was forever just giving 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 and then yeah I remember I came home it was in my lunch break I showered and I remember I sat on the edge of my bed and I was staring at the ground. I could tell you exactly what my carpet looked like, everything. And mm. I remember I just stared at the ground, like with, like just, just my towel wrapped around me. I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone does this at some point. And, but I remember my alarm went off to go back to work. And I was like, what? I literally, I, my break was three hours. And mm. I sat there and I had no idea. I'd sat there for that long, just staring at the ground. I couldn't even tell you what I thought about. I was just like brain dead. And I was like, oh my lord. And that's when I was just like, do you know what? This is not living. <laughs> I was like, this is not life. <laughs> that's interesting. That. But it takes a lot of, um, I guess it takes a lot of courage to make that decision, you know? It's, um, I always reference this to anyone I, like anyone who I kind of, you have people who you have pity parties with, I call. Like you just, when you're having a hard time and then you, have, you know someone else who's having a hard time. So rather than yeah. being sad to each other, you just laugh about <laughs> how shit life is sometimes and um i i always say like in those moments i become like jim carrey and me myself and irene yeah have you seen it yeah it's a good film (laughs) that's literally like where he just switches where he's so tired of being the nice guy like i have that they're becoming more and more frequent which is scary (laughs) but it's just one of those moments you just get pushed yeah i think it's i don't know it's like maybe that's um you have to see that side of you. Do you know, I, I really believe mm. that we need to, in some instances, people need to be pushed to the absolute brink like that, physically, mentally. Yeah. In order for you to just realise that, you know, for lack of a better term, like fucking look after yourself and, yeah. and stop, you know, uh, working for other people's standards and whatever mm. like that. You know, you shouldn't ever feel like, oh, but if I change and if I make a different decision, that could fail because... Yeah. You've always got options. You've always got ways to go. And if you follow, like you have, like what I can see is you followed your heart, really. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you are where you are today. It seems like a, a much happier person. Um, yeah. So, so let us know what happened then. So you went to kind of film school and how did that Yeah, go? so I went... Uh... It's funny because from the outside, I was like, wow, you went to film school. I actually dropped out. <laughs> I ended up having an argument with immigration and then the school itself um, because I was working two jobs as well because I was so drilled into me that you have to work all the time, have income, that I, I wasn't comfortable not working. And not just that, anyone who knows what international fees are like, they know you you have to sell a limb on the black market to just afford it. Um so I was paying for that and then it, I know it's sneaky, but I worked out what percentage of classes I was allowed to miss in order to not drop below what would flag to immigration so that then I could work shifts around that so I could make the money to stay and afford that way of life. Um, yeah, and then it just dropped below and they found out 
but what's worse was I signed up to this course and I was so gassed to do it. But when I got there, um, it was not just film. It was animation, CGI, gaming, coding. And I was like, right. ah, okay. I was like, this. I'm, I found myself becoming a bit of a nerd anyway. So I was like, yeah, I'm down to explore this avenue. But the school I was in, it was, it was also for people who not generalizing but a dropouts who weren't too sure what they wanted to do and a lot of gamers as well so it was just a, a specific stereotype yeah. of person who's going there and i just found it and they were all super young which didn't matter at all but um i don't know i i loved it and i loved like a few of my lecturers they were all nice but the ones who knew i was really passionate about film and they mm. set me like additional homework because they knew okay well you're quite serious about this um I assumed the software that we had to learn, um, we were, we, I misread it and thought we had to be like efficient in it before we started the course. Little did I know it meant by the end of the three years, you would have. Oh my so I spent, I think it's 2016, I spent Christmas to New Year's that one week before I moved to Perth and I was seeing a guy at this time. I spent Christmas and New Year's, I did not party, I didn't do anything religiously every day just on my laptop learning this software um, <sighs> and yeah my and my partner at the time was just like oh yeah you're gonna kill it you're gonna do so well got there like after having no life on Christmas day like everyone's having a barbecue in Australia and I'm just there like sitting at the computer and yeah I get I get to the class and they just are using some basic Windows software which is for anyone anyone not <laughs> even someone specifically in film so that was just a bit I was like, oh, okay, like set like the tone. So I, I love it though, because it, I just ma- spent loads of time. Any project we were set, I'd make it film related so I could just do heaps of legwork. But yeah, I pulled out after a year, um, leading to many other things as well. The relationship broke apart, that, that fell apart. Immigration was on my case. And I was like, do you know what? There's <laughs> only so many times <laughs> I can like, I, w- I just w- wanted to just be in a, like, be a citizen and just chill and live a normal life and enjoy what I'm doing without worrying every morning about immigration yeah. in my case or what fee is going to come through next because of X, Y and Z and and it just wasn't like that anymore so unfortunately it took a toll on my relationship at the time with this really great guy um, and yeah I just, I think it was this quote I saw on Facebook and it just clicked for me and I was like run, run down, tired everything and this quote said um maybe oh, what is it maybe something like maybe all those all the negative things that are happening to you is the universe trying to give you a sign yeah and i and i thought because i was so busy being like no 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 positive thinking overcome this overcome that like hill mountains are over, only given to those who can <laughs> climb them like it's so busy in that fighter mentality that i was like and so afraid of losing or giving up that I was like, yeah, maybe I'm actually not meant to be in Australia right now. Like, maybe I have served my time and I've got to go do different things. So that's the way I I saw it. And it made sense at that time. That quote was the sign I needed. I was like... Well, do you know what? It's funny. I, I, I hate those kind of motivational quotes. But in some ways, I feel like that's the only situation where I feel they're beneficial. Like, they can just yeah. come at random times and you can feel so shit that's right yeah. and you know and it works for that person at the time um, but I do understand what you mean like oh you know you do need to climb mountains and you do need to persevere all of these things yeah. 
do to be successful. But there's a huge element to just just stopping and breathing and just listening to yeah what the problem is. Because if you just stop for a bit and stop trying to be all tough and persevere and all this, I think you do find it. You know, like you didn't need to give up on the whole film thing and all that, but maybe you needed that push to be like, okay, Australia's just not right now, you know? Yeah, 100%. Like, I, um, in my class was a guy, Matthias. Um, he was the only other guy my age, Italian um, international student. And we were the only two, we'd actually laugh because we'd be like, are we the only ones who take this seriously? And that's no disrespect to a handful of girls in that class, actually young girls who I still keep in touch with because they were super on it, like hardworking and they wanted to be there as well. And they helped actually me in like the gaming um, assessments because I was so shocking at it, but I'm really good at art. So I do all their artwork for them. <laughs> we literally we were all there for different reasons, but we had to pass all the modules. So we do each other's work. Like we'd use someone's weaknesses and our strengths to help each other. Um, but this one guy, Matthias, yeah, we joke all the time. We just like, like when we'd get set an assessment to, I don't know, draw our favourite cartoon and we'd be there like, we want to be directors and producers <laughs> we're drawing like Disney characters but you can't, you can't bash it because it's all part of it um, he was yeah, another international student and he fully understood what I was going through and we would have days where we were both just stressed because we were working overtime, all these other people it's, it was I think really cheap or free for them because they're Australian um, meanwhile, we were just, oh, it was ridiculous what we were paying. And he'd come in or he'd be like, can you sign me in? I'm running really late because he would have finished his bar shift at like 3 a.m. or something. I'm like, yep, yep, I'll sign you in. Like, um, He showed me something. And again, it was one of those moments where it's like when the student's ready, the master will appear. And he showed me these YouTube videos and he said, it's 80 bucks. He's like, 80 bucks. And you just buy these YouTube um, tutorials he said because the thing that got his attention was the the guy on it again this is going to be so bad because i don't know what director it is off the top of my head says um i will never hire anyone who's done film school he's like the true the true creators are the ones who made it out of nothing and me and him were like yeah we're quitting (laughs) we're like we don't need this school but he ended up transferring to um, like a different school which was really specifically broadcasting and filmmaking and he's doing really well now actually um, I, I keep in touch every blue moon with him um, so that's really cool that we both separately are doing okay on different sides of the world but um, yeah it was one of those moments again where he showed me something when I needed it most and I was like yeah I don't need a qualification to like give me status do you know what I mean? Yeah 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 for sure so um so you took that and, and you kind of moved back home and stuff. And mm. what was the next kind of stage in your life? I think we'll get into... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what what year was this? So when you moved back? So it was like a year and a half ago. So it was August 2017. Yeah, because 17 to New Year's and then the whole of 18. Yeah, 18. Yeah, and then we're in 19 now. Yeah, 2017, August, my dad and so it just worked out to be a good time I went via Hong Kong picked up my stepsister like chilled with her for a bit had a break for the first time in forever just a month off I just trained in Hong Kong and sweated it out there (laughs) and then um, yeah and then came back to England and I came back so like hungry for success and 
I had this big business plan under my belt and um Yes, and then it all started unraveling and coming downhill towards the end of 2017. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, this is the part. Well, actually, I'll just let everyone know. Like, I um, I've only met you once and very very briefly, but I've since I've been following you over the past God, how how long is it now? Like, coming up to five or six months. Uh, yeah. You, you've been kind of telling a story and if anyone's listening I'll, I'll put the links up on this podcast when it goes up um, Pani has got a really really eye-opening and really well beautifully made um, documentary on herself actually and her story and that's what I'm what I wanted to kind of get into now so we've had a, a good lead up to that but mm. you want to tell everyone P like what this is is it from the end of 2017 till yeah, it was, um, so what in, hindsight, in hindsight now, it was a long time coming. I realised I just, England kind of was the catalyst for it. Um, yeah, so I suffered depression. Like, I, I think I still do. I, I don't know, because it's like the flu. You can't really always escape it forever, but at the same time, you can do things to prevent it. Um, yeah, I uh, suffered depression, but I only really acknowledged that I was end of 2017, like right at the end. Mm. Um, and then it kind of tainted me for the beginning of 2018. And then I thought I was good. I was, I think I was good for a period of time because I was so focused on goals. Um, but yeah, then it just smashed me again just before the end of summer. So... Basically, I had relatively huge milestones, but in a kind of negative way. Big things like traumas that had happened over my life. Like my parents in my childhood was uh, something I never really addressed throughout my whole, uh, well, my whole life. Um, And that is actually why I left to go to traveling in the first place. And then I wanted to live in Australia because the very bottom line, was I just wanted to be as far away from them as possible. And I'm okay saying that now because since coming back, I've sat and spoken with them separately and kind of addressed my demons, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then in 2013, I got these cancer tumours. Um, but I was so far away from home that, I don't know, I had this really weird moment where I was like totally okay with it. Right. And I was like, if, if this is how I'm meant to go... I've lived a really sick life. Like, in again, in hindsight, I can't believe that because so much more was about to happen. Yeah. Um, and I was really okay with that. Like, that didn't bother me. And my parents, obviously, my parents weren't. And I didn't massively publicise it. I just, I think I put one status up. I said, I'm absolutely fine. Like, that's that. And I was like, if you want to send any positivity, give it to my parents because they're the ones struggling. Um, well, how did that like, come about? Like, um, you know, finding out and... What was the situation? So, um, this is crazy, but it's like I've always eaten a lot, always. And then, again, this sounds stupid, but I've always had huge boobs. Not anymore, don't worry. Um, <laughs> but I did. Um, and everyone would say to me, like, how do you eat that amount? Like, I'm always like, oh, your boobs are fake, all this stuff. Like, I was like, no, I don't know. And then when I started working in the gym in Australia, obviously I was like actually starting to focus more on like specific weight training and and a little bit of sculpting really not much at all before I was a hockey player and a runner but I was still partying like an animal um so yeah once I started being a bit more healthy I remember lying down and seeing like a lump come out my stomach and 
my uni friends would always say to me, oh, it's, it's a poo baby. Because <laughs> I'd go to the bathroom, come back and it'd be gone. And we'd be like, we'd find it hilarious. Right. Again, it wasn't funny at all, realising what it actually was. Yeah. Um, and then my boss, I will give it to her, the boss uh, in the gym, she's like the biggest hypochondriac. So I remember showing one of the PTs and they were like, they told the boss and the boss was like, you've got to go get that check right now. And we were laughing, we were like, no, relax, it's a poo baby. Like, <laughs> again, not funny, but um, yeah. And then boom, went that lunchtime and that was it. Literally, it was that exact lunchtime was the moment the whole, it just spiralled because it, from the second the doctor saw me, he like panicked. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what? No, and we were joking, I went with my mate who had a hip problem, Ruby. And I remember we were crossing the road to go to the doctors and the bus almost hit us. And she goes, oh my God. She was like, that was close, man. We almost died. <laughs> and then we went to the doctor's appointment. She came in with me and he, this doctor was like, if you don't get this scene to now, you could die. And I remember we walked out of it completely like lost our, like bouncing our step. And the same bus came past and we just looked at each other. We'd be like, we're like oh yeah, almost died. <laughs> it's kind of comical now, but we're just like, yeah, so then, um, so it began just massive loads of invasive testing it was on my ovaries um they thought it was just one tumor but the reason it was sticking out was because there was two tumors one on each ovary and what it had done is it twisted so if you hold your hands out in front of you and pretend you're holding two oranges and then put them in line so one hand is closer to your chest and one is in line in front of it that's how it twisted and so the tumour was pushing the other one forward out of, like, my stomach. Um, But they couldn't believe, they said it was the second largest, the bigger one, the second largest they'd seen, they'd operated on, and they couldn't believe that it hadn't dropped yet, because if it dropped, imagine, like, an orange being held up by, like, a tiny tube. If it dropped, it twists and then stops the blood circulation to the tube. And, yeah, so when I went in for surgery two weeks uh, no this whole ordeal was for two months actually because they kept saying no it's just a cyst actually you can fly back to England and I was like are you sure like uh, uh, I don't know like, and then eventually when they they got some big surgeon and they realised yeah it was these fat off tumours and there was no way I could fly because if it ruptured I'm flying into chemo um, so they booked me in there and then and they they said like we're gonna have to just do a c-section and take everything which obviously i didn't want to hear i was 23 at the time and i just thought oh great like no i, I didn't think about kids at the time anyway but you start thinking about them when you get the option taken away yeah, and um you know the morning of the surgery it was all very surreal and really weird because i don't know again i i live a lot in my imagination i i just tend to find humor in a lot of things and I just remember my surgeon like swaggering in and I just thought he reminded me of like a, a character from Simpsons. Like, he was really just super blasé and chill. And he was like, I was looking at your tumours last night over dinner with my wife. And I was like, right. And he said, I think I'm going to try and remove them individually and not give you a C-section. He's like, so we'll try. But if, if I can't do it, we'll do a C-section. And I was like, right. So he's like, so you're going to wake up to either ovaries or no ovaries. <laughs> I was like, cool. So, um, yeah, so that was that. and um, But that wasn't the problem. The bit that screwed me up the most was afterwards. Right. So I don't care if nothing else is taken from this podcast. I don't care about my documentary, nothing except for what I'm about to say now. If you know someone 
who's had cancer and recovered, um, check up on them. Because I I call it this post-cancer depression where you get like an abundance of love. You don't understand how many people start giving a fuck about you when they think you're about to die. And then as soon as you're okay, people are like, oh, sweet, she's not dying. Boom. Your inbox goes quiet. It's literally dusty in your inbox. People don't check up on you, nothing. It, you go from this abundance of love to like nothing. And and it's sad because it's the first time I realised that everyone has the capacity to love. Like I had people who like I was mean to in school reaching out to me just saying like I read this. I just want to, you know, extend my love and energy from England. Blah, blah, blah. Like really beautiful messages from people I really don't like or who really don't like me. And that's all all completely evaporated when you're in that moment. But then afterwards, no one cares. Like, it literally, no one cares when you're not dying. And that's like, that fucked me up more than the tumours themselves. Okay, so you were quite wrong yeah. through the whole, the whole situation, really. It, it didn't fail you too mm. much. And um, it was only after that it was a, a difficult period. Yeah, and so like, that was another thing like another little kind of milestone that kind of chipped at me but again I was like no stay positive la 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 and um yeah and then got into just a bad relationship after so I don't know why I just you'd think you've got loads of self-love and I I just became a healing aura because I was just so on this hype of self-love and making people feel loved got myself into just a bad situation with a guy a horrible horrible well, no, he's not horrible. He's just a very broken, broken person who's not addressed his demons. And, um, yeah, all these things just kind of were there in the background waiting to waiting to really attack me. And then, um, so skipping forward to then, obviously, leaving that gym job I had, um, leaving then the film school, and then just having that moment in Australia where I was like, I think my journey is done. Coming back home to then family stuff that I hadn't addressed that's why I'd left England and it literally I just felt like a band-aid had just got ripped off of all the things I hadn't properly dealt with because I was in that headspace of like no I'm a warrior I'm gonna keep moving forward and you know out of sight out of mind and and then obviously unhealthy (laughs) like comedy (laughs) to get me through stuff yeah and it just it just yeah I was a shell of a person come end of 2017 I just I was over it I I literally was over life I I just everyone sees the social media side and I'm and don't get me wrong I don't post anything fake on social media it's just I don't all sit there and cry on social media either like um so what you see on my social media is all very real it's just the when I'm feeling good I obviously post when I'm feeling bad I don't post and um yeah, so people see all the beach shots, all the travelling, but they don't realise, like, I got to live on a beach because I was working, like, 60 hours a week in a gym. Um, I got to, you know, fly to these places nine times out of ten because I was running away from a different problem or having to leave a nasty relationship and immigrate to a different country, like, things like that. People don't know that side of it. And so then um, coming back home, obviously then I just, yeah, I just... And then everyone expects you, like, they're like, oh, Panya's back, like, like, and hitting me up, hitting me up, hitting me up. And I had nothing to give. And I, I just avoided a lot of people and I offended a lot of people. I just didn't care. Like, you just stop caring about absolutely everyone. You just, 
you go from giving so much to people that then when you genuinely want to throw the towel in but because no one's seen your journey of being so close to giving up when you then are giving up and people aren't necessarily there for you but not because they are mean just because they don't realize you need help yeah you just literally the amount of times i just sat there and i was like fuck it fuck everyone fuck this and fuck that like and just i was over shit i hate i hated everything mm, that's interesting is that so see what in in your opinion like um like from watching i watched your documentary and it really kind of as um isha said as well the other day my girlfriend that you really mm-hmm. i don't want to give too much away about the documentary but i kind of you normalize um depression in a way which i think is a really important thing to do you know in this day and age yeah um, but were you really kind of straight up with yourself at the time or did you seek help um so again not giving too much away but the documentary obviously was i didn't know i was going to make that so i went by the end of 2017 that's when i was yeah i what was the worst i've been and then i decided fuck it my brother had made me a heap of money which i'd lost trying to just sort my head out um and not work and not get to invest in anything when i came back to england i just end up wasting loads of money um so when he gave me this money he said do anything you want to do which is how the documentary starts and it's all tr- everything that happens in the documentary is the truth if anything it's we just don't go into it in as much detail because you can't in 10 minutes anyway um and So basically I decided I'm going to go skydiving. That I my logic was if I jump out of a plane like I was like lying in bed and I was so depressed and I just thought fuck it I'm going to jump out of a plane. Like that's something I've always wanted to do. I've had opportunities to do it but exes or work has talked me out of it because well if you injure yourself you can't work and my ex would be like why would you spend that money on that like we could do this we could do that like so many things so i was like no do you know what i've got this money now no one is telling me otherwise no one not even my family so don't tell anyone either booked a ticket for two days later you see a common <laughs> a common occurrence here i just i just go i'm like sod it i just go um so my admittedly when i jumped out of the plane at the beginning of 2018 it was testing fate because i was i didn't know now that i know skydiving i realized actually how unbelievably safe it is however i didn't know it at the time so in my head i was like well and this is going to be so savage i'm saying it with a smile on my face because that's just how i do things i'm too pussy to kill myself i i am too much of a pussy to even do that however if i leave it into the hands of fate and I, something goes wrong I was I I was like sweet then it's done it for me. Right. However, if I make it then I'm Parnia fucking Parsons and I just jumped out of a plane with depression and I landed. Like I am a don. Yeah. I am an OG. Like that is fucking cool. I'm a real life Lara Croft and that just gave me like a little bit of a spark in my heart. I was like okay that does sound a bit cool but at the same time I was like no I don't care I don't care about anything. But that like the idea of that in my head I, the fancy of it I was like that makes me a bit happy like if if that happens so either way I was I felt like I was in a win-win situation all I had to do was jump out of a plane and 
the worst part is if my instructor hears this now and finds out that that was my way of thinking she would have never let me jump out of the plane um but so with normalizing depression i don't know because i obviously didn't know i didn't think it was normal i had no idea like it you you can't explain something you've never experienced or never felt before so during it when i was filming um I only went to Portugal the first time with a camera on my own and I just thought, oh, I'm just going to vlog it because my brother was like, why don't you vlog it for people who've never skydived because that will get loads of views. People are just interested to know what skydiving is about. And I was like, yeah, okay, like, that's cool. Why not? Um, So I had a bit of purpose with it. And then, yeah, (laughs) didn't go to plan. (laughs) And luckily, though, that brought me the space I needed to sit the hell down for a month straight looking at my bedroom ceiling and just stop running away from stuff and be like right how am I gonna deal with this like because I did land <laughs> I did make it so now I've got to do it but cooler and I've got to execute it better and I've got to be that person because fate's told me you're halfway there you're good enough to be that person you're not worthy of dying just yet else they would have and it was honestly i can't tell you enough like a car breaks down and you come and just jump start it when i fell and had the accident i was i was like crying laughing and my instructor's looking at me like i was crazy and he he was so so upset because he's i never injured a student even though it wasn't his fault it was my fault and um I just and I called my brother afterwards and he was just like my brother literally said to me isn't this why you did this like you wanted to feel something because you were so numb and I was like I felt something like I I like I felt again I was like oh and it, it kind of triggered like okay I'm still I'm still very much at square one of me and who I am and my my journey but I kind of could map out like the journey whereas before I was in mute I was in a black room Whereas now I was like, okay, I can kind of see where I can go with this. Like, so um, with normalizing it, I didn't go get help. I didn't do that stuff because I feel like there's two types of depression, even though this is just my perception. There's the chemical imbalance depression, which isn't what I would identify with. And that's people who genuinely like, it's just a thing that smacks them every so often because of a chemical imbalance. Um, or there's people like myself who just completely lose their roots don't have their feet planted on the ground have no purpose like I can feel depression coming on when I've got like when I'm not I don't have things in my diary like aiming towards whether they be fitness things career things things I don't want to do still but you know you have to do but you're like no okay that's that's mental um resilience like going and doing that thing that you don't really want to do but you know you should having these things set in place keeps the structure in my mind like it's like the scaffolding for my headspace um and that's what I learned over 2018 and then one of the things was oh I'm gonna make a really sick video nothing to do with depression I was like I'm gonna I had this sick idea of going to Iran and filming women in fitness like so I teamed up with Jackson who is um the film director producer on the documentary and he it's weird, I don't call him my friend because he he's so much more than that. 
he was my rock he became my rock but unknowingly like even he didn't I don't know if he would have still (laughs) in hindsight um we bumped into each other in the gym we used to go to school with each other but we didn't know each other super super well like so it was one of those kind of you smile and wave but because with my injury I'd just been addicted to reading I'd become addicted to reading I just read the Celestine prophecy and in one of the chapters I read the night before it was like if you catch eyes with someone whether you know them or not guy girl old young anything talk to them because there's a reason your mind has made that connection mm-hmm. it's something that even you're not aware of and I just thought and I was sitting there looking at my weights and I was like oh, I should talk to him but because obviously the depression I was like I can't fuck um but I was like no no like you are proactively doing everything you're reading about right now you need to do these things to get you on track so I was like fuck it so I went up and spoke to him I was like hi how are you we start chatting he said oh what do you do I said oh like I'm a video editor but I've just kind of been in and out of it at the moment not really telling him he's like oh he's I've just released an online film school I'm doing this I'm doing that massively into film he said let's connect let's like have coffee and see if maybe we can just collab on something (laughs) that begun (laughs) Jackson and I's journey of him basically being my mentor, my rock, everything. Um, And so we talk about certain ideas that we wanted to film whilst I was obviously in the background dealing with my own problems. And then I think it was just this one day, we were just having a bit of a chat after we had a meeting. And I said, oh yeah, because things aren't good. Basically, I just, I don't know, I I go through this in my head. Because I wasn't, I still wasn't really saying it was depression. Because I felt like a fraud. Unless someone writes it down on a piece of paper with a prescription, I feel like you can't call it depression. Um, which I'm I'm getting more comfortable saying now. And, um, yeah, we talked about that. And he said, well, do you want to maybe, like, just explore one of those avenues with the filming? I was like, oh, yeah. And I said, I because another thing, other than the film, uh, books, I was getting so into, you know, really motivational YouTube clips. Mm. And there's one, um, Tracy... Oh, I will give it to you because you should link it in here. It's, it's only about 11 minutes long. Um, and she just talks about how a relationship induced her depression, but not just a relationship, just other things in her life as well, but mostly a, an abusive relationship. And she talks about for every day for a month, she didn't want to go on pills, which the doctor advised. So she said, can I come back in a month and let me just try fixing myself first? So she does all these really beautiful, simple steps every day to like get her head back to how it should be. And, and she does, she kills herself. And so um, because I watched that in such a dire place, like I just remember thinking, well, I, I make videos. I want to make something like this so that the next Panya who's sitting there depressed as fuck can watch it and just be like, okay, do you know what? Like, I think I, I can do this or like, she doesn't talk about just depression. She talks about like what she did after it, how how she kind of came about like fixing it, mm. so to speak. And that's what I feel like there's not enough of out there. Yeah. People just talk about it. People hashtag it. People put the quotes, but no one's like, hey, look, like, yeah, it's shit. Yeah, this happens. But why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? Like, um, so yeah. Thankfully, with the help of Jackson, we, he was like, okay, well, we need to wait till you're having a really bad day to talk. Because I said, I can't, I really can't explain depression when you're not depressed. Like, yeah. it's 
you, you might as well just be reading a script because you're just like, oh, it's a really, it's like a black cloud over your head. Like you, you feel yourself just repeating stuff you think it feels like, but when you're in it, then then ask you. And um, I remember then it just hit me out of nowhere like a month later. Um, I don't, I, I, again, I think I felt a bit lost in everything I was doing. I just was like, fuck, I've been in England a year and I've, I've not actually got anything to show for it. I couldn't even jump out of a plane. <laughs> Why well, jump? I didn't even do it right. Like, I was just feeling like such a bum and the end of the year was coming. And if you watch my documentary, I say about how I sat and made a list of everything I want to accomplish in my life. And I was so, so adamant I was going to do that back in January when I made that list. And then I was sitting there thinking to myself, well, well, it's, I think it was like July. I was like, it's July and I've I've not done it. I've not done anything. Oh, I've done one thing on that list. And I just was like, oh, I'm a failure. Like, this is shit. I'm just a dreamer. I'm just a little kid who thinks they can do all these amazing things. But I just need to be realistic. And I just was beating myself up. And um, and when I, whenever I'm really not good, there's one way I can clarify whether it's just me having a shit day or if it's actually depression. <laughs> And I go bust the hardest run I can do. Mm. And if I make it to the end, no matter, even if you're tasting blood in your throat, you're like, yeah, it was just a shit day, but I still kind of got this. But only, I think, twice in my life have I not been able to finish a run. And this was the third time. And I remember I just stopped by the hospital in Bath, actually, because it was <laughs> ironically where I run around. And... Um, I just stopped and just started wailing and I, I was like god I have not done this in years and I just called Jackson there and then bear in mind we're we're friends at this point but we weren't like we're more business friends um just wailing and I was like we need to film now um but I was too nervous to talk on camera about something that I just I'd seen so many people talk about it and I hated the way they spoke about it seen so many social media people just glorifying mental health like it was a fad and it made me so uncomfortable to talk about it um that's why I think when people say talk about it talk about it I'm like yeah can we not extend that to absolutely everyone like because it's making people who should talk about it not really want to talk about it yeah I mean I I can't really give much of a personal opinion because I haven't been in that situation but I, I just get this impression, like when I've been, because there's a fine line, I don't know what the line is between just being everyday sad, like things mm. get shit and people get damn sad and things don't go your way and you can get really sad. And I've been in like, let's say those positions and you look around and people are like, oh, you need to speak. The best thing to do is to speak. And I know when I've been in those positions that I've always thought, fuck, but talking's not going to help me that's yeah. the way I think I don't know if yeah correct. 100% it's I, I actually feel like I fully agree with you there's days um, me and Jackson now he has become probably my one of my best best friends I respect him more than I respect uh, probably anyone on this planet um, he could call me up at 4am and I'd be there in a shot like I'd do anything for that boy because of what he did for me and he didn't even mean to and he didn't he wouldn't even say it was anything um we have a code word when I'm not feeling great and I say it to him or I'll just text it to him because sometimes I go MIA because we now work together on some stuff um and I'll go MIA for a few days 
And so he's like, when it happens, you need to tell me so I, I'm not badgering you or whatever. And I said, but I can't, what do I do? Do I just call you and say, hi, hi, Jackson. I'm going through a depressive episode right now. It, you just feel like a fucking mug. Do you know what I mean? You just feel like a banana just standing there like, hello. And then, um, so we have a code word now. <laughs> and we use that code word. But I said to him, if I say it to you, you do not ask me how I am. You don't. I need you to just do something stupid. Like, make me laugh. Like... And that's, I think, why I'm so drawn to, like, always being, like, by my brother's side. Because people are like, oh, you and your brother always hang out. It's like, because he's the funniest person I know. <laughs> like, he's so funny and he just uses humour to get through anything. Even when he's having a bad day, that's when his humour's truly, like, on top form. Yeah. And it's just, it's just those kind of things. Just be kind of, but all at the same time, I love being alone as well. And being left the hell alone. No, I am as well. I, I... Mm. I really, really love being alone. And even when I'm in these so-called bad or sad situations, whatever, I I don't mm. want to sit and speak to someone. I want to be left alone. But I think you're right. It's like you do realise that something could help. There's something like comedy, something that just can quickly take your mind out of a situation. You can be somewhere else you know, with, like, with through laughter. <laughs> It's you. You get so much material to joke about. Right? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And the be- what I love the most, and it sounds savage, I've made some really good friends in this past year. Some I've never met. Like we've just connected over Instagram, but they're like my homies. They're like I Facetime them, and I'm like, hey girl. And um, when you, I, there's like a an exclusive like group <laughs> of us who can't deal with everyday life without pulling jokes about it and you just become like homies because you just you find the darkest humor in some stuff and then the worst part is when you're then in normal company and you pull a really dark joke and people look at you and you're like oh oh and i think i even turned to a girl the other day like really sweet girl she's 17 and i said something in the car and she looked at me like what i said oh you were raised in a really stable household weren't you <laughs> And I was like, you wouldn't get this. <laughs> she, and she, she laughed because she, she acknowledges that her parents are still together and really happy and, you know, support them financially, you know, emotionally, everything. But like, she took it on the chin as well. But, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, everyone deals with it differently. Like, everyone deals with it differently. And I find since everything that's happened, I do have to, exp- like, when I go, when I'm about to lose my shit, I have to identify. I'm like, guys this isn't the depression speaking. I was like, this is because I'm surrounded by arseholes right now. <laughs> I have to identify whether it's actually like my mental state or I'm just not like, I, people are testing my patience. <laughs> like, so, but um, it's, it's really cool. Uh, since I released my documentary, so there's this photographer pod um, when they do shoots, like I usually tag along, um, but they're really awesome creatives and they're all photographers, some videographers. So when I released my documentary and it was on my Instagram, obviously quite a few of them, well, they saw the notification, but some of them actually watched it, which was so lovely. And so I went to this shoot on it. And then last week, one of the photographers reached out to me. He said, oh, I can see that your posts have been a bit um, like darker recently or this week. I just wanted to ask, are you okay? And I just thought, what a ledge. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just thought that is so nice that, and I hadn't even stopped to like acknowledge that my post had been dark. And so I just said to him, I said, oh, look, man, nothing to do with my mental health. I'm just having a real testing week. <laughs> I was like, just just some people, man. <laughs> and um, 
but then I saw him again on Sunday uh, and I said I said oh I just really wanted to again I don't know him that well I said I, I really wanted to say thank you for asking how I was the other day I was like I, I just re- was really moved by that it's really sweet he's like no no just you know just for a check I was like oh my heart I think um, I don't know what it is but it's like you know when you when you're in like having a bad week or something like that there's a difference between close people and family wanting to talk to you and badgering you and then there's if a stranger reaches out like that not a complete stranger and they ask how you are it's definitely it's taken in a completely different way do you know what i mean man you literally couldn't have like taken the words out of my mouth anymore it there is something different like that's why when i see someone who's not doing all right that i don't know i will reach out whereas if it's someone i do know i'll just send like a couple of hearts or something like as in like i'm thinking of you like the the bridge is still there but it's none of this and that's i've know like a few people did message me friends of mine you know i just want you to know if you ever want to talk i am always here super lovely messages and you're fully entitled to not reply to them if you don't feel like it but it's when someone who expects nothing from you doesn't know you it's just kind of in the shadows and that's why you like not you personally but people like in the street do it to someone in the street and I always that's how I start it if I see someone just not doing too well I say oh I know you don't know me but sometimes that's actually better to talk to a stranger so I just thought I'd ask like are you you alright because you don't have an opinion then because you don't know the backstory you just give them the space to talk with no response do you know what I mean yeah it definitely it makes a huge difference you know Mm. I, I, it's, I enough to strangers like if someone just said that to me when if I'm on a train or I'm walking somewhere and someone just bumps into me and says it like I've, I've got no there's just a different way of me putting myself across you know if someone says it mm. my girlfriend and my mom, I'm just like look I know you're there for me and if I need you I can just ask you I know that yeah you're always yeah there. so you don't need to be on my case saying cool sit down with me and forcing me but when it's a stranger, it's like, it just means that it's just something different. It means a lot, you know, to for someone to do yeah. that. A hundred percent. My mum said to me, she goes, why don't you talk to Because she knew nothing about anything until she watched a documentary. And she said, why don't you talk to me about it? Uh, and I, she said, but she says about anything. She said, you don't talk to me about boys. You don't talk to me about this. She said, you're so secretive. And it's so funny because it's like, anyone who knows me I'm like the least secretive person I even tell people don't tell me secrets because <laughs> I have no filter like I don't I can't remember what's a secret what's not and I like to talk really openly um but it's quite beneficial because I've got the worst memory as well so <laughs> sometimes I just forget shit but um I just said to my mum I was like you you're so ready to give advice I was like sometimes it's nice to talk with like wanting no response like you you what you always have an answer for what I have to say and I was like but I don't want an answer I was like, I just want to unload and I and people can still give answers without talking yeah. it can be the way they move afterwards the way they do stuff and this is I'm a feminist so believe it when I say this next is not a sexist comment that's why I find it easier to be around guys or speak to guys because in the nicest way possible they don't care like they care but they don't care as much like women have like a motherly nature about them that that is that's embedded in us um and we're more more emotional that's why 
we are better at discussing things in relationships that's why we are more emotionally mature at a younger age because we address things and we are more receptive and communi- communicative <laughs> that's totally a word now <laughs> um, yeah whereas men you know they focus on the thing that's in front of them as soon as the next thing comes they then focus on that so you can talk about something so heavy and deep two minutes later someone scored a goal on football boom that is the most important thing right now like you burnt their toast you are dead like so it's the, the reason I like being around guys and I have a lot of guy friends um, and I was happy to hang out with guys during my depressive state got, um, male friends was because there wasn't this like they people aren't looking at you and like oh, oh poor girl or they're not wanting to talk about it all the time or if you trip on something they're like oh my god are you okay like because you're going through stuff and you just tripped over like they're just like all right <laughs> like, <laughs> sort <it> out <laughs> you know so it's an easier way to kind of just go through life like just live every day yeah it makes sense it's it's good that you found that mm. <laughs> but that's but isn't it mad that we met at new year's and that's like the peak like i i just come back from australia because i went to visit for two weeks and I was like, that was when I, like, I'd done the second time skydiving in October. Then November, um, chilled, went to Australia at the end of November, came back beginning of December, saw all my family and I was in such a better headspace. I'd fixed all my like old demons, everything. So I was like, so gassed to be back in England, like living my best life. And then New Year's Eve, my plans had just uh, folded. I thought, oh, fuck it, I'll reach out to Ali, our mutual friend and what was my PT slash friend at the time. Um, Still friend, just not PT. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, and the next thing I meet you at New Year's Eve party. And, God, that was just, like, that was the best I felt. And then what's awesome is when you're feeling really good, like, you gravitate towards good company, good people. And I met you, your girlfriend, like... We're two people, both of you. I just like I'm always buzzing whenever I see you've got stories on Instagram. I'm watching them. I watch Bear. Like there's no tomorrow, man. <laughs> Anyone um, listening? And you don't know Bear. Is. You need to get on, Mr. Bear. <laughs> it's their dog, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, like the other day I showed my brother your Instagram. I was like, man, I was like, this guy moved to India. Next thing gets the most beautiful Indian girlfriend. I was like, now he's speaking Indian. And me and my brother were just sitting there watching your podcast. That's when I, uh, not your podcast, your stories. Yeah. And that's when I said to you, you need to put subtitles. Because we were laughing, but like, we're like laughing because we knew it, whatever you're saying might like probably yeah. is funny, but we have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> man, I'm just too lazy to add those subtitles. Yeah, oh, mate, it is long. Uh, semi-professional. You know, I might do that in a bigger setting and it can have some subtitles. Yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure there's an app as well, if it helps yeah, that actually, actually, like, writes it for you. There is, there is. I'm just one of those downright lazy people and it's just, I'm like, fuck doing any more editing and changing than I need. I just go on the All right, so... <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know Rich, just look at his Instagram bio uh, and you'll find out that he's not lazy. <laughs> he does, like, jack of all trades. Yeah, well, they... Anyway, we're getting away from me. I'm getting away from you. <laughs> this, this podcast is about you. How are you, Rich? How are you today? Are you okay? Episode, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, can int- you can interview me. But, um... All right. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, we've done an hour, P, and that's what I said we should do. But I think... It's been absolutely eye-opening for me because I didn't, I 
I've only got like little bits from meeting you once and just seeing an Instagram person watching the documentary, which I'll put up in the post. Um, but yeah, is there anything you want to just leave on and, and let people know, especially when it comes to like being ill or being depressed and and maybe what you mm. learn and could give? Um, there's a few things I've learned along the way. Um, mostly, I would say just treat like mental health very much like people treat the flu. Like, are you sick right now, Rich? I'm not, no. No, so are you going to introduce yourself to me as Rich who gets the flu sometimes? Nah. Exactly. And when you do get the flu, what do you do? Um, usually I just carry on with life. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually one way, good way of doing it. But, you know, if I were to get sick, I'd, I have a few things in place, whether you're into your pharmaceuticals or whether you're into your more natural way of doing things, turmeric or paracetamol, any of that stuff, Lemsip, um, just people have that in their cupboard so that when they're sick or they go to the shops so that when they're sick they can fix it same with um depression it's scary at first if you're not really sure what you're getting like the space you're in but for me it's you know i'm i just keep doing fitness always um and just set things in place set things but don't just go meet someone for coffee be like hey sweet do you want to go rock climbing yeah hey, sweet, do you want to go horse riding have things in place or you know, me and my friend at the end of next month are going to Poland to go do the Red Bull 400 where we just run up dry slopes for 400 metres and thrash ourselves because it would just be fun, you know. And it, rather than just going on holiday and spending money and then getting the blues when you come back, we're actually going with a purpose, you know. Just give yourself purpose with ev- like every day when you do something. Um, when you wake up, sorry. that That's just all I can say. But also at the same time, like, I know this is rags rags to Richard <laughs> but um just know like I'm not why well, I'm better I'm, I'm I'm awesome but at the same time like tomorrow I I could easily not be and no. I've still had like uh, two weeks of people just testing my patience and I've lost it so many times last week <laughs> that it's just left me exhausted this week but it doesn't matter because then I've got little things like this podcast to look forward to like, if you don't go through these motions if I'd have given up in 2017 I'd have never met you I'd have never been filming this podcast. I've never released that documentary. When you actually stop to look back, the only time you should look back is to see how far you've come. Like, yes. and there's nothing wrong with doing that. Like, pat yourself on the back. Like, and just be truthful with everything you do. Stop caring so much what people think. Like, which is what I did for ages. But I sit there now, and when people are like, oh, social media is healthy, I completely disagree. Do you know who I stalk and I get inspired by, as weird as this sounds and self-indulgent as this sounds? Myself. <laughs> I, my Instagram is just my pin, Pinterest. That's why sometimes there's things on there and it's like, ooh, doesn't suit the colour code. There's no colour code on my Instagram. There's no theme. There's no reoccurring, like, skill set. It's just, it's just my Pinterest of things I love and things that set my soul on fire. And when I'm not feeling 100, best believe I stalk myself I do I don't even care other people do it and they don't even admit it I stalk myself because I'm like yes mate like I'm I'm all right even though like my vision's clouded my vision's clouded like when I'm not having a great day week month but then I look back and I'm like damn (laughs) I've come quite far um so that's it like and if you're truthful to yourself though you're inspired by your own content 
I could I can look at certain posts where I know I I posted that in a really bad headspace and I was I'm just lying to myself and that sticks out like a sore thumb to me no one else but if you're truthful then there's nothing you can't be proud of on your about yourself about your journey I think you've nailed it there P I think it's a great way to end (laughs) Mike drop (laughs) oh there don't drop Um, I can't um, drop my phone oh god it's so broken (laughs) so broken Um, so yeah I mean that's been amazing piece. so what we'll do is end it there I'll um, I'll put all the links to everything we've been speaking about I'll write up a little bio and uh, if people want to get in touch after they hear this I will um, actually you can probably just do it through Instagram because I'll tag her on the post yeah I'll um, let me know because I'd love to there's just like two books and two YouTube videos um, the YouTube videos are really short. So that if anyone listening is kind of feeling like, oh, well, I felt like how she did back in 2017, like I cannot express enough just these four things, just there'll be something in each of them for that person listening. Right. Well, we'll make sure they all get on the podcast and the Instagram post when we go live. Beautiful. You Hi. are beautiful, Richard. I love you. Hello, Richard. So See you later, P. Bye. <laughs>